0: Välkommen till Utbytte, den DNB-podcasten där jag förklarar vad som sker i den globala ekonomin och finansmarkeden. Jag är er Marius Brunhaugen från DNB Markets och i den episoden ska det handla om biotexelskapet Ultimovax som handles på Oslo Børs. De offentliggjorde en nylig huvudkonklusion från sin fas 1-studie knyttet till behandling av ondartet förfelaktig Analysttimme till den Markets männer resultaten var goda och på grundlag av det de mener är er ökten synligt för att sällskapet nå utvecklar produkter fram till godkännning. Så justerade de efter uppdateringen kursmålet upp från 87 till 125 kronor per aksa och behållt köpsanbefalningen. Før den følge studien ska presenteras på ASCO-konferensen den 4 juni i år så har vi tagit praten med chefen i Ultimavax, Carlos De Sousa om hur de värderar datan och vägen vidare. Och upptäckte ska få höra. Det var oprinnligen en videopresentation som är er tillgänglig i aktiehandelslösningen till DNB. God lytt. Welcome to DMB Markets and today's update, where we'll discuss uh, UltimoVax. I'm joined by Carlos De Sosa, the company CEO. Welcome to DMB, Carlos.
1: Thank you, Marius, and uh, for the opportunity also to present UltimoVax and uh, the exciting data that we are now presenting at the ASCO conference. The share price
0: trend for uh, Ultima one must say, has been uh, favorable over uh, the past year. And uh, the DMB Markets research team currently has uh, a buy recommendation and uh, a target price of uh, NOC 125 on the stock. So, in other words, there are <laughs> several reasons to have a closer look at. The investment case. Uh, And to start off, uh, can you remind us about uh, the market and your position in
1: it? You know, we are a company that is operating in the area of treating cancer patients. And we are part of a new class of drugs, the immunotherapies, that uh, help the immune system of the patients to kill cancer cells. The big revolution, as you can see in the image, has been the introduction of a big class of drugs the checkpoint inhibitors that are in the hands of all the big farmers, And you can see there in the graph the the extreme growth that this class has. So we are going to be using combinations with these products. So this is our market. We uh, activate immune cancer and the checkpoint inhibitors uh, block the defenses of the cancer cells.
0: So you recently presented uh, (laughs) data and that's very interesting for investors nowadays, of course. Uh, can you start by describing the data that you uh, presented?
1: Sure. The, the first thing is that this is a study in advanced melanoma patients, so patients with skin cancer. So these are the patients that, at diagnosis, are already quite advanced. So, uh, so really uh, not with a lot of um, expectations in terms of long survival. So what we did in this study, we added our uh, cancer vaccine uh, to pembrolizumab. That is the standard, of, one of the standards of care in treating uh, skin cancer. Um, and what you see there, the you know the first results that we are now also presenting at this big uh, cancer conference um, that is going to be virtual, but normal in the U.S. is the first results are the safety, and we have, as you can see in the next slide shown excellent safety. This is very important. These patients are uh, fragile patients. The, the checkpoint inhibitors have you know serious uh, side effects. So it's important that when you combine with these drugs, you don't bring additional side effects or toxicity. And you see here that basically the patients in, in our study, the side effect caused by UV-1 was just the, the in- injection site reaction as you would expect. So this is, this is the very important point. Hmm. But of course, you know, more exciting is when we talk about efficacy. How, uh, what are the results? What is the impact we have in the in the these patients by adding our uh, universal cancer vaccine to a pembrolizumab? And that's what you can see in the next uh, slide. You see there, and this we use the Keynote zero zero six. That is the MSD uh, Merck Sharp and Dome study that they use for registration. So this is the most. Appropriate uh, study for us to compare with, and they have a, a subset of patients that are comparable with ours. And what you what you can see there is that in this registration study from from pembrolizumab, thirty three percent of the patients had a response, uh, or what we call objective response rate. This means that the the tumor disappeared or reduced in size. When you look at the the impact that we had on these results, you see that we achieved 60% of the patients had this response. So already already quite, uh, quite impressive. But even more impressive is when you look at the n- percentage of patients that where the tumor disappeared. So 5% of the patients in the pembrolizumab study had a disappearance of the tumor lesions. You cannot see them in, in the imaging. And in, when we had UV1, you increased that percentage to 30% of the patients. So this is a very strong data, and we have had very good feedback from um, the physicians and investigators that are um, working with us. And of course, a lot of excitement when we present the, the data in uh, June 4th.
0: But uh, why is the data important for uh, Ultima Vox? I mean, what does it mean for you?
1: Well, it's important in different uh, parts, you know. So uh, first, because we have now... a In addition to the study, we have now a broad development program with four phase two clinical trials where we are enrolling more than 500 patients. So it's a very, very big problem for a small biotech like us in different indications in skin cancer, mesothelioma, that is a type of lung cancer, ovarian cancer, and head and neck cancer. And in a way, these results uh, prove that we have a benefit when we add to the standard of care. And so that is very important to show that we are in the right, the right track, but also, uh, you know, strengthening our confidence that, you know, we need to see the data, but they increase the probability that we have we see a difference also in those studies. So the data,
0: what uh, should we compare the data to?
1: Well, I think the best comparison is, again, you know, you can, com- you know, there are different companies working with different combinations, you know, we are, they are on the top in terms of the the type of data, but the best comparison, because in this phase of development, uh, what we call phase one, two, you need to compare with historical data. So the best comparison is really the study that uh, Merck-Sharp and Dom used to uh, get approval for Pembrolizumab, and that's the keynote 006. What more data
0: uh, will we get at the actual
1: presentation,
0: <laughs> uh, apart from the data that uh, you have already presented in uh, the abstract, which was uh, 19th of May, if I remember correctly?
1: Yeah. Uh, well, you know, this is the key data we, uh, we, that we showed, you know, the safety and the efficacy. What we'll have in the poster is more details about the patients, how they progress, a lot of graphs. And of course, also the perspective from the lead investigator in the studies. So the study was all run in the US. So, so the lead investigator is is from the US and he will be the one presenting the data.
0: Will the data have any implications for uh,
1: the company's ongoing trial in malignant uh, uh, melanoma? Uh, no, as a matter of fact, you know, it, it further strengthens our case. The treatment of uh, uh, melanoma or skin cancer is roughly split at the moment between pembrolizumab half 50% of the patients are treated with uh, pembrolizumab where we have the data and about 50% of the patients are treated with a combination of nivolumab and ipilimumab that are, are are from uh, Bristol Myers Squibb so in a way our new study that we are doing phase 2 is combination with ipilimumab and nivolumab so with with these two studies we are basically covering the the two uh, standard of care in the treatment of cancer
0: Okay, so so do the trial have any implications for any of the other indications where where uh, you are currently uh, doing trials
1: you know the, the the main implication is that we we show that we are safe when we add to 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 these treatments and the fact that we show that we have a concept that we we, we, we optimize and we uh, improve the, the efficacy when we add to this standard of care so you know i think uh, I think your uh, analyst you know look at you know, uh, an increased uh, probability of success moving to the next, to the next phase. Uh, of course, this is, uh, this is one of the, the key readouts of the, the study, the, the benefits that we bring and the expected one.
0: Recruitment is uh, an important theme <laughs> that we have to uh, touch upon. Uh, so, how would you say COVID-19 uh, has uh, impacted the recruitment rate of new patients?
1: Well, I think uh, the, the pandemic COVID-19 has been having an impact in the whole industry, and particularly biotech. But it's also the big pharma, in terms of being able to run clinical trials. Um, you know, hospitals are focused on COVID. Patients are afraid to go to the hospital. What I can say is that our clinical operations team is working very hard with the uh, with the company that uh, runs these studies, and we have we we have been able to continue to open centers and enroll patients you know as we showed in the our Q1 report
0: so this is something that you prioritize
1: Yeah, absolutely you know so there's definitely an impact uh, but we have been managing in i think in a in a positive way and then we have to see now you know how the society opens up our vaccination and, and how that will improve uh, further the, the enrollment of patients.
0: So, uh, if I understand correctly, you plan to start two new trials around uh, mid uh, twenty one. Uh, how are the preparations for these trials uh, proceeding?
1: Those those studies are are proceeding. You know, so these these are uh, uh, the study in ovarian cancer and in head and neck cancer. We, you know, the, the investigators are now going through the process of submitting the protocols to the health authorities. Um, ethical committees is, is the normal process. So we still expect that around mid-year, they will be able to start enrolling patients. And um, and one of them, you know, the ovarian cancer is, is a collaboration with AstraZeneca and uh, that we have, and we also have a collaboration with Bristol Myers Squibb. So this is also important for us and for them that the studies uh, progress.
0: Any challenges that you are uh, facing in connection with this?
1: Um, no, just just a normal at the moment. You know, still people working from home, so things take a little bit longer. This uh, initiative process, but uh, but uh, the important part is that the the investigators are seriously committed uh, to run the studies. And and of course, there is even now more excitement after these results because, uh, of course, uh, you know they see that uh, we bring uh, we bring an impact.
0: Another important side of the equation is um, the finance and, <laughs> and the. Cash position seems uh, rather strong. Uh, how would you describe the financial runway?
1: Well, you know, uh, at the end of the uh, quarter one, we had the 409 million knock, you know, in cash. So, a very healthy uh, cash situation that gives us a runway towards the first half of 2023. And this takes us uh, to the, the time where we expect to get the first results, what we call top line results, of at least some of these studies. So, so a very important milestone.
0: So uh, as where we are now, do you think the cash will be enough to complete the four uh, active phase two trials?
1: Uh, it will be enough to, to at least take us to the, these key results where we start seeing the first results. And that's what we have been communicating public. Yeah. And that is the, the the key data that will also allow us to enter into more, act, you know, if the data is positive, into more active discussions with potential strategic partners.
0: But what if you decide to start uh, new trials? Will it then need additional cash?
1: Yes, and we have, been, uh, we have been public about that, but also the reason why for us to initiate a new study, because that again will require additional capital, uh, it needs to be a project that brings something new. A new indication, a collaboration with a different pharmaceutical company. Uh, so, so we will be very selective. We have, there's a lot of interest, but uh, we need to be selective. But yes, there's a possibility. Because that will bring a uh, you know it's it the, the 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 capital raise the investment you know is multiplied exponentially in terms of the return
0: and finally uh, we have to uh, visit the tech uh, technology uh, could you explain to us why this project is uh, interesting
1: well the TET technology is kind of a a, um, a newer technology you know uh, you compare with other approaches that you see at the moment you know in terms of Innovation like mRNA, you know, you hear a lot of that on the on the COVID vaccine. So, so it's a, it's, a, it's a very innovative technology um, that we expect to have uh, safe uh, the safety, and that's why we started now a, a clinical trial at the Oslo uh, Cancer Hospital uh, in patients with prostate cancer, and also has other benefits in terms of administration and the stronger immune reaction. So. Um, as a series of advantages, a lot of potential because it's a platform where we can then have different products coming out of this platform. So that is always uh, appreciated also by by the potential partners of the market. Yeah.
0: So this tender trial that you have started, um, yeah. what do you expect from the trial, and and, and
1: when should we expect uh, <laughs> data? Well, th- this will be the fourth quarter. So the fourth quarter is going to be in a, a very important quarter for us. Uh, you know, we are going to have initial safety and immune activation from the TENDU study. So that starts giving us the first indications, you know, about the, the first product coming out of the platform. And in addition, we are going to have uh, data from uh, additional data from the study that uh, we are presenting at ASCO uh, with, uh, with more follow-up time uh, with these patients. And we also have another group of patients uh, that uh, are, you know, now being observed. So then in the fourth quarter, we will have not only 20 patients, but 30 patients in total. So that will make the the, the data even stronger.
0: Okay, Carlos. Uh, (laughs) Thank you so much again for joining us and providing us with uh, an update. And uh, thank you everyone for watching. Thank you. Denne podcasten och dets innehåll ska anses som markedsføringsmateriell fra DNB og må ikke oppfattes som en investeringsanbefaling eller som investeringsanalyse. Innehållet ska heller ikke anses for varje være investeringsrådgivning tilpasset den enkelte kundes behov. Informationen som gis i podcasten är er kun ment som generell spareveiledning och er ikke ment å utgjøre juridisk, finansiell, kommersiell, skattemessig eller regnskapsmessig rådgivning. DNB tar inte ansvar för direkta eller indirekta tap eller kostnader som mott uppstå vid bruk av information i denna podcasten. För mer information och full disclaimer, vänlig se vår webbsida dnb.no-disclaimer.